Aloha and welcome to season two of the Hoi Shoots podcast called How Do You Shoot That? Today's guest is Colby Moser of the award-winning video production company Aria Studios. If you've been to a wedding in Hawaii in the last 10 years, there's a high likelihood that you've seen their work. Aria does over 100 weddings a year, and like with anything of that regularity, there are continual urges to change things up. Today we talk about starting a video business, some of the trials and tribulations that come with running a company, and how to keep creative fresh and stay motivated. If any of that sounds interesting to you, you're going to love this episode. So let's go talk story with Colby. So cool to have you here. We we get to like cross paths every once in a while. Uh huh. But we don't get to sit down very often. I know. I'm excited. Just tell me a little bit about how you got started. What's your first memory of like picking up a camera when you're a kid <laughs> or something? So I grew up in a really small town, and we didn't have like a video department at this public school that I went to. But I was really into like news and broadcast. So I remember starting a TV kind of like broadcast. I just read announcements and school lunch. Did you did you do much like tape to tape? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I found something recently on like an old VHS tape that we did, and it was so brutal. But I remember showing it, and people would like do, like we would have standing ovations. <laughs> um, and then I graduated high school. I went to college for a couple of years at UH Hilo, and then I worked in the local radio station there. And I was like a DJ, radio DJ for a few years. And I got an internship at KGMB. So I finished up college at UH Manoa. And then I worked at KGMB for five years. I went from an intern to a EP to a producer. And I left producing the 10 o'clock news. Very cool. I mean, it seems like a traditional path if you were like 10, 20 years older. But it, it doesn't seem as traditional a path to like kind of go through the news system. Yeah, I was really, really lucky. I mean, I think about it all the time. I just got some lucky breaks. I met some really good people that helped me out along the way and was willing to sit with me and teach me about how to log tapes. And I just spent all my extra time at the station and like going through old newscasts and going through old scripts. So as a producer in news, your primary job is to organize the news um, and to write. So we didn't, I didn't do any shooting or editing, but I learned how to write, which is probably the most valuable skill I learned while I was there. Because when you can tell a story, you can move people. The technical part came much later. I feel like it's, it's slightly different today where people are inundated with visual stimulus. And so people pick up a camera before they pick up a pencil to like write down a story. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe that's where some of um, your craft began is just as, as somebody who understood how a story should start, you know, continue and finish versus like just shooting exactly and then being intentional about the imagery that you put to that story it was totally the opposite of how people most people i feel like do it now they're more attracted to the amazing photos on instagram or videos on instagram or on social media and it's pretty easy i feel like to replicate an image or video but if it's just imagery if there's no like story or you know content behind that imagery then it's just another photo you know you need to be able to tell a story yeah i think that's super valuable in today's kind of oversaturated market of just we're, we're just constantly inundated with new fresh like visuals with with kind of a lack of depth 
maybe in, in a lot of them yeah i think so i mean but then the ones that do really stick out right it's like those are the ones that you remember and like it could be just a simple commercial like a simple concept but then if it's like told really well or there's just like really good heart and story behind it like you'll remember that yes good old-fashioned marketing <laughs> tell me when when did you think you realized you wanted to do this as a career when when did you know not not just you you wanted to do it you you had the skills to do it you had the connections to do it and it was like I'm going for this well that was kind of a really long path um and kind of a long story but I guess in a nutshell so I was in news and I I was in the industry that I thought I would be in forever like I went in there thinking that I wanted to work in news for the rest of my life and the thing I loved about it was that I could tell a story and share it with the world or Hawaii, you know, and then just get a lot of viewers because of this platform that we had. I mean, I love news. I love working with the people in news. I love the fast pace of news. I like, I love the adrenaline, having to get a show on the air every single day. But to me, it was just, there was really no depth to it because we would have to turn a story no matter what. Even if it wasn't a complete story sometimes, it's got to air at five o'clock or six o'clock or 10 o'clock. So I was wanting to tell stories that had a little bit more depth and long story short i i met my business partner and he basically asked me what do you want to do for the rest of your life and i said i want to tell stories i want to travel and i want to tell stories and bring it back to hawaii and he said all right let's start a studio and after i left the news i i took a job as a creative director at new hope leeward which and in one year i learned how to shoot <laughs> Uh, the basics I mean I wouldn't say I was a good shooter <laughs> and I learned the basics of editing I edited on Final Cut 7 here I was starting a, a production studio with very limited technical knowledge we did it and we had our first like three edit bays and we first shot with a Panasonic HVX 200 but we landed a couple of clients I don't know how and then my friend was like hey you have a camera can you shoot my wedding and I was like, all right, just I'll do it for free. I mean, I look back at that wedding now and I feel really, really bad because <laughs> it wasn't very good at all. But I loved it because everybody was happy. The couple was so in love. I just fell in love with weddings from the very first one. And then we started doing more and more weddings and it just blew up. It was right before the time that DSLRs started getting popular. With that new sort of technology, I felt like I could do so many creative things and change up the industry a little bit. I mean, this is back when the sort of standard wedding video was a full length, three hour long wedding video, documentary wedding video with maybe like a 30 second montage in the beginning. And then it was just literally like you're sitting through the whole entire wedding again. And that's what we would deliver. There were highlights sort of getting popular, but it still wasn't very um, interesting to watch. It was just like a music video, this, a song and just clips back to back to back. So you got started with your very first wedding, fell in love with it. Tell me a little bit about Aria Studio. How did, how did you guys come up with the name? How did you guys start this business? Like where, where did it all come from? So Aria is the name of my business partner's daughter. And when we first started, she was five years old. Aria to me was like the epitome of just happiness, joy, just that childlike hope. You know, and I, when we first started Aria Studios, the main, the intention was to create videos for nonprofits that were doing amazing things around the world and to gift it to them for free so that they wouldn't have to spend money on 
a video and they could use their money towards their cause. That was the plan. That was the business plan. There was no weddings in that original plan. And then we traveled. We traveled a lot. We, we donated work and I loved it. But we needed to eventually figure out a way to make money. <laughs> so after that one wedding, I was like, hey, I think we got something here. And I think we should go for it. There, there's this whole industry now built around weddings. There, there have always been wedding planners. There have always been wedding singers. But wedding video production photography is like a huge industry now. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was huge back then. But now there are, I mean, everybody is a wedding photographer <laughs> or videographer. And, and how, how has that changed? Maybe even your your thoughts about the industry, the the business. Like you're also doing things kind of on repeat a lot. Mm-hmm. You're, you're doing the basically the same thing, like right differently every single time. How do you how do you change it up? How do you keep that fresh creatively? Okay, so this is the this is the big secret that I found out early on in starting my company. People want to work with people that they like. And if you create a connection with somebody, you just want that person to be there with you on your wedding day. So I learned early on that I needed to create an experience for the couple. Like I said, I had very limited technical knowledge when we first started, but the one thing I had going for me was I was a girl. And the wedding industry is kind of catered around the bride. I mean, the bride makes most of the decisions in the wedding planning. So if you can convince the bride, that she wants this product, then you're pretty much sold. And so I, coming into the industry as a girl, I could relate to these brides and I could talk to them like a girlfriend. And then by the end of the consultation, they're like, you need, we're gonna be best friends and I need you to be at my wedding. So that was sort of my game plan in the beginning. And you know, it's been 10 years and I still have that like, genuine excitement about weddings and wanting to be there for the bride and I mean for the whole the couple and the whole family it's important to me and to my company now that we create a really great experience for the couple like you said it's the sort of the same thing over and over again but there's a certain format that weddings follow every wedding has a getting ready portion a little photo session portion ceremony reception it changes with every wedding but it follows that same sort of structure so we were able to sort of create a system of shooting that followed that structure so that there were hardly any surprises and at this point we probably shot close to a thousand weddings and so i feel like we've seen it all and being able to have that experience to just roll with it or just to troubleshoot on the site because they hire us to film their wedding but we're also putting the veil in their hair and we're, we're also keeping them on time and we're also doing all these other things to help them out just to make sure they have a great experience that's outside of just filming their wedding um, I think other vendors appreciate that too so we get a lot of recommendations you know uh, referrals from other vendors and we've sort of got to a point where we have a good place in this industry just because one we provide a good experience to a good product and we have the experience from shooting all these weddings i think it's interesting that you are in a male dominated industry just just generally filmmaking right filmmaking photography is dominantly male male photographers male fil- filmmakers but you you come in with this female aspect this feminine aspect because it is something that's catered towards the female audience and i think that's actually brilliant right i didn't plan it out that way it just sort of happened but when i first 
got even into the wedding industry, I got a lot of like raised eyebrows and like, who is this girl thinking that she can like operate a camera? I just was like, okay, whatever, you know, it's totally fine. And then I worked my ass off to learn about how to film, how to be innovative, how to do something different. And then I became friends with these guys and learned a lot from what they had to offer. We all shoot weddings, we all shoot other things, but I feel like guys and girls just look at things differently. So when you can collaborate and put those two together, you can create a pretty amazing product. I love that collaboration is huge in our industry. I mean, when you're on a commercial set, even not more so, but you see all of these different components, the sound people, the stylists, the makeup, talent, um, producers, directors. So they all come together for this one big orchestra of a production and on the wedding day, you don't get retakes, you know, you don't get to do the kiss twice or, you know, there's a lot of things that only happen once. And so being able to do that well, trusting that your your cinematographer is going to get it. That's what's always kept me out of weddings because I'm like, I can't handle that stress. <laughs> I can't do that. And I don't it want that. It is pretty stressful. But this is coming from a news background, which I was used to that high stress and high you know, adrenaline. I mean, we do same day edits, which is basically filming and editing and showing it at eight o'clock. And we try to add in like speeches that happen literally 10 minutes before we show because we want it to be like as content driven and include as much as possible for them. So it's an adrenaline rush every single time. But I kind of like it. <laughs> That's wild. Um, so tell me, there, there have been a lot of technical changes in the industry in the last 10 years. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, we came in at a time where the whole industry was doing like a major flip because when we first came in, the older filmmakers who had been around doing it for a while, they were using... I mean, over-the-shoulder type rigs, like 50-pound cameras. I was like, all right, I mean, that's how they do weddings, and I need to do it like them, you know? They would come with, like, five full bags of gear to weddings, and I was like, wow, this is, like, a huge production. And then real quickly, Canon came out with, it was the 5D Mark II and then the 7Ds. I was like, wow, like, look at these tiny little cameras, and then you could use different lenses, switch them up real quick to get, like, get in real tight or get different looks. Audio started to change, too, where you can just have really solid audio. So it was an exciting time, and since then, it's I feel like it's changed even more quickly. I mean, it's every year there's a new camera that can do amazing things, and it's getting smaller and smaller. We have a bunch of DSLRs, we have mirrorless cameras, tiny, and we went from tripods to monopods to now, I mean, the IS is so good that we just handhold. And, and I feel like it also enhances the wedding experience, you know, the day of if you're not, you know, seeing three huge cameras on shoulders, oh, you know, yeah. walking around. So it makes it a more elegant experience rather than a right. production. And I've always thought of Aria as a wedding production company, but you're more than that. You're, you do commercials, you do all documentaries. Mm -hmm. um, so you're a production company, you may specialize in weddings, mm -hmm. but you do a lot of other things. Tell me about some of the other projects you do and how maybe even some of your, your background in wedding cinema leads, you know, some, some creative in, in those instances. We have a few dozen commercial clients that we have really good relationship with. 
And I feel like that same kind of approach that I took to weddings, making it a great experience, I just took that because that's the only way I knew how to work with clients. I took that to the commercial world. It's kind of the same. I mean, we I work with like PR people that are mainly female or marketing directors that are mainly female. And I feel like being able to shoot a high quality production with less and not bringing a ton of gear, I can keep the cost down pretty low. I can do a lot with just me and maybe an assistant. So we don't have to have a full crew on a lot of the things that we do. I love weddings and I love that it's, you need to be on point all the time. We cannot redo a kiss, like you said. We cannot redo redo the day. Um, I love that because it helps us to be prepared for anything. Going into a commercial set, you have a lot more control and you have a lot more time to pre-pro and plan everything out. But at the same time, you don't want to do that to your client where you're like, oh, can we just redo that whole entire interview? I wasn't ready. So coming at it with the same kind of mindset where this, you got one shot, do it well. I think that was helpful too. And just their experience was so much more pleasant because they're like, wow, you thought ahead and it was a great experience. Let's do it again. I find that to be so true. Like it's it's more than just creating a, a great final product. It's the handholding all the way through the process from pre-production, building a great storyboard, making sure that they feel comfortable that you're going to get everything in a timely manner, on budget, on time, so that they can hit their marks. I mean, they're they're hitting certain deliverables or certain other marketing expectations. So exactly, we've got to make sure that they feel comfortable that we're the right production company for that task. Right. I mean, we know so many people who are brilliant filmmakers or photographers, but they might not have that right bedside manner. You know, I feel like being able to work with people and understand people, listen to people, what they're really wanting or even helping them discover what they want. Because some of the commercial clients come to us and they're like, we want a video. Like, okay, what kind of video? And we don't know. You tell us. Just helping them discover what's important to them. What kind of message do you want to send out to the world? They appreciate that. I feel like in our industry, in any industry, that is probably the most important quality to have when you're starting your own business or becoming a freelancer. Just be fun to work with or mm-hmm. and cool to work with. People are going to want to work with you. Hey Amen. That's a huge tip. It's just being an awesome human. Yeah. That, that makes the entire experience better for everybody. So with that, there have been so many different things in the in the tech world, in the creative world. Instagram and Facebook weren't around 10 years ago in the same way they are now. But even just in our own personal intentions with our companies, I think we all also hit you know, different seasons in life where personal aspirations or things change. You, you've also got a family. Tell me a little bit about how, how things have, have shifted or got, got redirected and sometimes throughout this career. When I first started, I was in my early 20s and I had all the time in the world. So I literally sat in front of my computer for 80 hours a week or more, you know, just working all the time because I loved it. So I just wanted to do it all the time and just collaborate with other people and just do creative projects and do this and that and everything. I started to get older. I met my husband, wanted to have a family. I was like, all right, I can't be living the same kind of life, you know, that I was. If I'm going to be a mom, I need to make some changes. But I knew that I wanted Aria Studios to keep growing and to keep just 
killing it. <laughs> you know, I just wanted Aria Studios to keep on going without me having to spend 80 hours in the studio. Then I had to become very intentional with my time and very strategic with my business. Um, I knew going into it that I couldn't do it the way I was doing it. And I knew that it was important to me to have a family and it was important to me to have time with my family. So I had to take a step back, relook how I was running my business and how I was gonna make it sustain even without me there all the time. At that point, I probably had six full-time employees and they were like my family and they were an inspiration to me to be better because I wanted them to be taken care of and I want wanted their families to be taken care of I mean they were young too but they were getting into a season where they were getting married and having kids and I was like all right is this like a real do this is a real thing now it's not just like a bunch of kids just making videos and photos and I'm like this is a real company I hired a business coach that really helped me along the way because I didn't re I mean I loved doing what I did I loved having a team but I didn't I didn't have all of my goals organized so a business coach helped me with that I created a lot of systems we created a marketing plan a business plan a sales plan I became a real company and I think that is one of the things that I think in our industry you're either a freelancer or you go that sort of like business corporate team route which it's weird because it feels it feels very corporate where being a freelancer feels very creative, like outside of the box, not coloring within the lines. Whereas having a studio and systems, it's very much within the lines. So that's always a struggle with artists because artists want to just be creative and free. So having that kind of mentality in a systemized company, that's a big challenge. There's ways to systemize creative artists or creative artistry. That is one thing that I had to do, but I was willing to do it and put in all that time to do it because my family was a priority. And I wanted that to be carried through my company so that when other team members wanted to have kids and they felt like it's okay, like there's a system, there's a plan, and I can take some time off and not, you know, not sink my department. <laughs> so I'm still learning, always learning how to do do better and grow that's i think that's a challenge for any small company whether you're in production or fashion designer or jewelry maker or i mean even a dentist like everybody <laughs> has to go through this growth process of how do i turn this like thing that i love into the thing that i can do for the rest of my life right and just being honest with yourself like there's nothing wrong with being a freelancer that's amazing i mean anything is possible but it takes a little bit of planning in my experience it takes a lot of planning <laughs> i mean we asian no, <laughs> we no, no asian. doubt about it uh, I, I say that all the time but we have a lot of like structure kind of built into our dna um mm -hmm. and responsibility and and this whole notion that we have to take care of our family, not not just the ones we give birth to, but the ones who gave birth to us and, and the rest of you know our community is our family as well. So we have this kind of internal responsibility that we feel that's with our company, that's with our business too. It kind of definitely bleeds into that space. Personally, I find that struggle of being wanting to be an artist, wanting to just like do whatever I want and, and that's why I got into this business or whatever with the structured like but I also got to make sure my wife's taken care of. Exactly. I got to make sure that, mm -hmm. you know, 20 years from now, we're not bankrupt because I made some silly decision based mm -hmm. on a creative whim or whatever it is. 
we have to make sure that this is a sustainable um, creative concept that we can pursue and that's the hard part it's it's kind of easy to find clients it's kind of easy to like do stuff i mean there's so many opportunities now mm -hmm. but how do you make that a sustainable reliable source of income and um, a creative outlet that we can continue to pursue mm -hmm. i don't know <laughs> you tell me <laughs> i'm still trying i don't know it's a struggle and I feel like because like you said we feel that responsibility to take care of our team that's been a struggle too because I love my team my brother has been on my team since the very beginning that's my brother I want to take care of him so but when you have that sort of mentality too it's like oh he didn't make his deadline it's okay next time you know, and then so mm. there's that also that balance of being a leader where you want to create opportunity and give them sort of the freedom to be creative. But then you also need to be strong enough to say, hey, you're not you're not cutting it like you need to shape up. And as a sister or like as a big sister and as a female, maybe that feels so connected to my team. I mean, making hard decisions has been probably the hardest part of owning a business. Sometimes it's you just got to make that hard decision and say it's not working out. But you always have to go back to what's important, my family and creating a sustainable business. Is this person helping that, helping me achieve that goal or deterring me? And you just have to be honest and constantly sort of analyze what's going on reflecting how this is how this is helping me or hurting me and making some hard decisions along the way it's not all fun and games when you're owning a business so segueing that you not only own a business but you also have a nonprofit. we do we started it in 2012 called aria chosen's fund and we just wanted to go back to our original mission which was to create stories that matter and share it with the world I didn't have kids at the time, but I've always been drawn to kids and had a heart for kids. And this might seem so naive, but when I first started, I didn't really realize that there was human trafficking. When I first heard it, I was like, what? I thought like we got rid of slavery so long ago. But we took a trip to Chiang Mai, Thailand, where there is an amazing, amazing orphanage called Zoe Children's Homes. Um, now they're called Zoe International and they rescue kids from child trafficking in Thailand in LA and now around the world. They have homes in Mexico, Japan, I mean, internationally. Um, when we first met them, they had a little house in Chiang Mai and they had a bunch of kids and they just were so happy. And they were little, I mean, from maybe two years old to um, teenagers. They were so happy and you would never think that they came from trafficking. And I was like, how can anybody do anything horrible to these kids? Because they're so precious. So the more I learned about it, the more I was like, we, we need to do something about it. We need to do something to help this cause. And this is something a cause that I really connected with. And then especially after having kids, I was like, if I could just do that my whole life, I would be happy just helping that cause. So we still, we still um, partner with them and we travel, we try to travel at least once a year to, to do work that they can use to help raise awareness and raise funds for their cause. 
So that's been part of our company from day one, and it will always be a part of our company. Pretty amazing. I mean, when you own a business, it's all about income. It's about how do I keep this thing financially sustainable, but you've built in a model of giving into your business model, which I mm-hmm. think is uh, inspirational. It, it definitely motivates me to want to continue to give to whatever I can. We've been blessed with so many opportunities, and I want to make sure that we can extend that helping hand wherever we are able. And it's something that I've personally wanted to do for a while is how do, you, how do we go around building a nonprofit or, or something that we help sustain? Yeah, and, and that's so far beyond. <laughs> yeah, me. I mean, I think... I was pretty, when we first started, it was like just a pure, pure and simple idea. You know, it wasn't like, okay, now we have all these clients and all this money and all this like stuff going on. And now we want to build a nonprofit. I think from the beginning, that's how it started. So it sort of grew with us. It's evolved also. So we had a clean water initiative. Um, We're doing work with a team in India. And so it's always sort of evolving too. My business partner is really good about always going back to that. Like, okay, we need to plan a trip and we need to reach out to them and see if they need any work. And it's just, it's just part of it's part of our dna so it's not even like another thing that we have to plan have to do people always ask me like how do i start i would even suggest teaming up with some a nonprofit that already exists and just understand how that whole process is and you might even partner with an existing nonprofit and be able to do that much more because you're not spending all that time creating your own and running your own um there's a lot of things that you need to do like throughout the year too to maintain that 501c3 status the main thing is using what you have and what your gifts are to make a little difference right and so you want to kind of focus that same you just find a cause that you really connect with and you really relate to and then just see can i help you guys you know that's that's the, the first step i think and then if you want to grow it to become even bigger, then, then you just look into creating your own. I mean, there's so many great causes around the world. There's so many teams that are already building and continue to need help. So I think that's great, great advice right there is just join and connect and collaborate with existing um, nonprofits or just people who need support. And honestly, I think that also translates into the commercial world. When people are first getting started, Everybody wants to start their own thing. Everybody wants to be their own filmmaker, their own freelancer. Yep. Uh, without necessarily some of the business acumen or the training to actually go out and you know be uh, a freelancer, to mm-hmm. be an LLC or whatever. But they want to start on their own. I, I always tell people it's great to first get like an internship mm-hmm. or, or jump on a team, mm-hmm. see how other people do it, and then from there you can make your own rules. Yeah. But without structure, it's hard to it's hard to navigate these waters because they're murky and they're very <laughs> and they're it's very lonely. Troubling. Oh, dude, it's lonely. Yeah. Yeah, I know a bunch of people who would just kill it at just run, doing their own thing. But it's again just being honest with yourself. Like some of those people, they're like, "But we want to work with people. Want to be." a part of a team like that's what we want to do we don't want to just be at home by ourselves in our little room like editing by ourselves or people don't want to deal with contracts and invoices and bookkeeping and taxes and all of that you know if you look at all the things that we do in the course of a day or a year i mean production is just a tiny 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 little tiny bit (laughs) of what we do right for sure i've had that conversation with a bunch of filmmakers in, in the wedding industry, in the commercial industry, photographers who are just like, man, it's it's fractional now. 
how how small the production part of our daily grind is it's it's that relationship building you know the the film permits or the storyboards or just all of it that goes into making an amazing film yeah it's it's a lot and there's so many things coming out every single day like okay this new tool or this new editing or this new light or <laughs> so many things so many things i feel like you and i are kind of in that uh, a similar age group where we're kind of between a lot of the people who started this industry in Hawaii and those who are kind of coming up in this industry. And we're kind of in this pocket of like in-betweeners. Oh my gosh, yes. I feel like a dinosaur in the industry, even though I've only been doing it for 10 years. I feel like the old the old grandma in it. But there's so many new, fresh, talented kids um, who are just coming up with all of this energy, all of this creativity because uh-huh. they grew up with it. Yeah. And the tools make it so easy to make an amazing product now. Yeah. Uh, what kind of tips would you have for for people just coming up or just getting into school, people thinking about in high school now, I want to be a filmmaker, I want to be an influencer, or whatever that is. Uh-huh. How do we inspire them not just to go out and chase their dreams, but do it like responsibly and I guess just do it, do it well? That is a good question. I am super inspired by some of these kids coming up. I mean, these young filmmakers and photographers, I mean, I we have interns applying to our studio and I look at their work and I'm like, holy crap, you are 16 years old and you have all this experience and just raw talent, you know? They're just my, my babies who are five and three, like they're watching YouTube and they're taking photos with their iPhone now and they're, they, they're taking videos and they want to be on YouTube too. <laughs> so it's a culture that is full of amazing imagery, full of amazing content creators. I remember going into it and the first time ever paying taxes. And I was like, holy crap, what? I didn't save any money. (laughs) Um, I think the best advice I could give is to take some business classes, some marketing classes. Just be prepared to have to do the work that you don't see when you see somebody's Instagram page. There's a lot that a lot of things that go on behind the scenes of owning a business or being a freelancer that's not Instagrammable, <laughs> and it's it's not it's not sexy or glamorous. It's the m- many hours of just sitting in front of the computer, um, trying to balance your life, you know, doing the paperwork. And I feel like an internship is so valuable. Those have been like my internships that I had have been the most valuable classrooms that I've. I've been able to sit in, you know, watching people who have done it um, and different people in different sort of industries. Like it's it's different. Um, it's the workflow, just how the interaction happens between a customer and a, cl- uh, a, a owner and a client. I love that. Um, I think I live a lot of my life unplanned, <laughs> unscripted, and, and I, I need to get better about that. I'm, I'm getting old here. Living in that whimsical life. Oh my gosh, I know. Shooting weddings now. I could do like back to back to back to back. And now like after one and a half, I'm like, I can't move anymore. (laughs) Can't be doing this forever. Yeah. How do you do that? Like, how do you find that balance? How do you like shift around some of the puzzle pieces in your life? And and how have you found like, you know, successes, maybe even some some not successes, you know? Your mom, your Mm -hmm. wife. Um, you, you've decided to move to a different island. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've actually given yourself a lot of boundaries that, that you need to, to live within. 
um, while still operating this crazy business. I need a lot of boundaries <laughs> because my personality is very extreme. So I can sit and I'm a workaholic. I know I am. I can just work and work all day and all night and not, I forget to eat. You know, I just, I'm extreme like that. And if I had the time and I didn't have anything else going on, I love to work. So I would just work and I would neglect everything else, neglect house things, house chores and my friends and family. It's terrible, but it's true. They're going, they're going into school. They're growing up so fast. And I constantly need to remind myself to be present with them constantly because I have my phone dinging and going off every five seconds. I have an, an idea in my brain that I want to, I want to write down and plan out and, I have a client that I think I can help and there's my mind just goes nonstop but I need to remind myself every day every hour every minute when I'm with them I'm a mom they need me I need to be present in this moment and sometimes I fail miserably and my life goes so out of balance but I know myself enough to know that sweet spot where I I, I know I can work this much. I know I need to take a break. I know I need to spend this much time with my family or else I'm going to feel really guilty. So I'm, you know, I'm still learning. I don't know if anybody's got it figured out. And if somebody has, then please call me because <laughs> I need help sometimes. Oh, man. We, we all definitely need some help in that, that space. I, they, they say that all of us, like, creative personality types have that in common almost, like, we just we just kind of work ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else goes by the wayside, unfortunately, and like that's that's one of our main drivers as humans is that passion to continue pushing, getting better, growing, growing deeper, wh- whatever that is, and it's it's hard to turn that switch off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the same time we can get that intentional and that like uh, enveloped in whatever we put our our efforts into whether it is our family or you know our our book or, or whatever it is we, we get super passionate about whatever we dig into right um, totally that's that's a huge part of it i think we're very like you said um we get hyper passionate about everything and i think that's mm-hmm. amazing yeah it's a pretty amazing way to live your life yeah. you know i mean there's highs and there's lows and really highs and really lows but that's life i mean i'd rather have that than just like a robot like nine to five i mean nothing against nine to five it's just not i i could not do that Mm. i could not do that i need to live in a world that's like constantly evolving and changing and feeling like you're you have control over it Mm. for me is what is super exciting my husband has a safe like federal or government job and he loves it and we're so lucky for that job he can't make changes to their systems you know like he's just he's just another guy in the government system but with what we do we can make a change and it can happen today and we have control over our businesses and over our lives like we want to want to go for it and crush it and make a crazy amount of money like it's possible or you want to take months off and spend time with your family that's possible too it's an amazing thing to be in control of your own your business your schedule we're super lucky um 
but it's a little because of that because of that control it takes a little bit of self-control for sure a lot of self-control yes if you were to do it all again is there anything that you would do differently looking back i think the one thing i would change would just be to be smarter about finances and the business and how things run how taxes run how taxes work and write-offs I get so tunnel vision into the production and creating and the stories and the videos and all that that sometimes I neglect the not so fun things but if you have a solid plan financial plan like these are the goals you want to hit this is how much you spend this is how much you save I feel like we would have a lot more freedom in doing the things that we do without worrying so much about about finances you know making sure you're hitting the targets that you need to hit so that you're not oh crap I don't I have nothing coming in this month like oh that's okay because we have a plan that in three months from now we're gonna we're gonna make it up um just being smarter about the finance financial strategy I feel like I would do that a little bit differently it took a while and it was a struggle but 10 years later (laughs) getting better still going that's the main thing still going we're creatures of habit as well as creatures of like serendipity. Uh-huh. But what are some of the things you do every single day that kind of help, not, not just motivate you, but some of the habitual things that you do that get you ready? Or like, what are some of the things you do every day before like a big shoot? Like foods you eat or, or you know, what are some <laughs> of those things that you... <laughs> oh man. All right, so this is one thing that is super important to me. So every week on Sundays, I write out my list of things that I need to do in the course of the week. If there's like a certain day that I need to do it, I basically plan out my whole entire week on Sunday. And then I feel like, okay, going into Monday, I have a plan, I'm ready. And then every single day, before I even jump on my email, I look at that list and I make a separate list like, okay, today, and it's work stuff, it's family stuff, because in our work, it all kind of blends together. So I have, all right, I need to, fold this load of laundry or I need to pick up milk I list out every single thing that I need to do I'm a checklist person I'm a big like calendar checklist person if I don't do that I don't feel grounded like I don't feel prepared and I feel kind of like out of control like I need a I'm the type of person that needs to make lists I have tons of lists so creating a plan for me I found is very helpful in accomplishing tasks because if not my brain just jumps from this thing to this thing to this thing and then I realized I didn't get any of it done because I kept jumping I try to maintain a healthy lifestyle too because in our work it's pretty physical I mean you're on set sometimes for hours and hours and hours and moving heavy stuff if you're not feeling good and healthy it's it's harder it's you can't think as clearly I feel like when you feel good about yourself you you know your thoughts everything just works better so try to maintain a a healthy lifestyle too okay five apps on your phone that you couldn't live without okay i'm trying to meditate more because everybody says it's the thing to do (laughs) so i have headspace i open that once a day instagram of course facebook that's just something you need to do if you're in this industry color story is what i use to do any kind of like phone editing (laughs) super dorky but like my financial planning thing I I, I look at it every single day multiple times a day because I just want to make sure that business-wise home-wise we're good 
you know, the one thing that you didn't say in there that I thought you would is some kind of um, list app. That one, I love pen and paper. There's something about pen and paper. It just like stays in my brain better. I mean, I do have, don't get me wrong, lots of list apps and calendar apps. I have multiple, one for the family, one for the studio. <laughs> um, but trying to go back to pen and paper and actually write things down. That's something I feel like we're losing. And I get on people too. It's like not in the cloud. It's not really there. You know, it's like you got to be cloud based. Like everybody can see it and you can get it, access to it everywhere. But pen and paper, I, I don't know. There's something, something about it that just, it sticks a little bit more when you can look at it, read it back, touch it, feel it. They, they always used to tell, the, tell us that in grade school, right? When you, when you actually do something in analog format. I mean, there was no analog versus digital back then. <laughs> yeah. But when you write something down, there, there's this cognitive uh, remembering that, that happens that doesn't happen in any other way. Yeah. So I encourage note-taking, right? Right. What's the one thing that you've learned most recently that's like just really stuck in your heart or things that you're trying to implement personally? I keep coming back to this in different times of my life, but take care of yourself. You know, like business owners, creatives... We just run so hard and we run ourselves so hard and we push ourselves so far, which is great because we are able to accomplish a lot. But sometimes you just need to take a break and take a breather and just just do a check. Like, am I good? Do I need to start exercising or do I need to like take a mental day off? Do I need to do some yoga? <laughs> Go have some coffee with a friend, catch up. Sometimes you just need to like force yourself out of that that work mode the hustle is all good but not if you're killing yourself so if you're, you need a check or you, need, you you know somebody or love somebody that they're just going hard and just hashtagging like <laughs> boss mode all the time it's like that's great but just don't have to be like hustling all the time i think if you're gonna do this for the rest of your life if you're gonna do this for the long haul it's a marathon not a sprint you just gotta take care of yourself along the way i love that thank you so much for being here so great to talk Thanks, to you brad it was amazing to hear how similar colby and my stories are and it was such a joy to have her on the show today for more about her company be sure to check out ariastudios.com and follow her personal journey at colby moser on instagram that wraps up this episode, but if you're new to the show and want to hear some of our previous podcasts, you can find them on iTunes or Google Play or on our site at hawaiishoots.com slash podcast. We're also on IG at Hawaii underscore shoots and Twitter and Facebook at Hawaii Shoots. Thank you so much for your support and giving us a listen today. And until next time, aloha and keep shooting. Bye.